0: All right. Hey, we're jumping into week two of our series, Abide. Does anybody remember what the word abide means? Somebody just call it out. To remain in. I mean, kind of the byline of this thing is to remain steadfast. That is the, the essence of the word, is to stay connected. Don't go anywhere. Just remain. And so the whole point of this series as we walk through it this semester, is how do we stay connected? How can we stay connected to Jesus? Not just on the moments when we come to church, right, on Wednesdays, Sundays, or maybe the occasional, you know, Saturday nights or whatever, but how do we stay connected with Jesus our entire lives? Because here's the reality of those who are believers in Christ. Your connection with Jesus is not just for your time in high school. Mind-blowing moment that the that you're gonna be connected to Jesus for the entire length of your life. And there's a joy in knowing Christ for a lifetime. The marathon that we are on, it's not a sprint. The marathon we're on with Jesus is, it's a journey. And the Lord is gonna take us on a journey for the rest of your days. So you might as well just settle in for the ride, right? Right? You might as well start developing those habits and developing those things within your heart and your life that will help you to stay connected for you to remain. As we jump into John 15, understanding the big context here and what Jesus is talking with his disciples in the upper room, he has washed their feet. they had the Lord's Supper. He's teaching them about who he is. Judas has already left the room. He is on his way to betray Jesus for pieces of silver. And so here Jesus is calling his disciples, hey, you just saw this guy, Judas, leave. He's not coming back. But what I want and desire for you is that you would remain. And he uses the word abide. And he uses it 11 times in this passage between verses 11 and uh, verses 1 through 11. And so it's really important what Jesus is trying to communicate to his disciples in the upper room and what he's trying to communicate to me and you today is to don't go anywhere. Just remain. Abide. Abide with me. And so as we jump into this week, one of the things, this one's pretty hard. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to start it from the very beginning. This one is a tough pill to swallow because we barely make it to verse two. We, we talked verse one last week about the true vine staying connected to the right true branch, not all the false branches that are in our lives. But he's talking about, hey, find me as a true vine. I'm the one that's going to never fail you. I'm the one that's always going to lift, uphold you and love you through the thick and the thin. The false vines are going to drop you like a bad habit. And so Jesus is begging his disciples and he's begging you and me to stay connected to him, to him. You know what? There are consequences to every decision. Do you believe that? Consequences to every decision. Now, consequences, sometimes you think of consequences, you immediately go to bad, right? Because when you get in trouble at home with your parents, what happens? There are consequences, right? You know, you have to extra chores. You have to, uh, they take away your phone. You're grounded. And those are consequences. But guess what? There are good consequences as well to the decisions that we make. There are, this is a deep truth right here. There are no un or in Consequential decisions in your life. Almost every decision you make, every place you go, there are ripples. Y'all don't understand that illustration, right? You drop a, a rock in a pond and the ripples go across the pond consequences, the consequences of that action, of you throwing a rock into a pond. There's, there's a ripple effect to the decisions that you make. You may not see that in your own heart in your life, but those ripples have an effect in people, other people's lives. And as we see, as we look into this passage of scripture, there are consequences to every decision. I was thinking about this truth and I was thinking about, okay, what, how can I best illustrate this idea of there's a consequence for every decision? And I immediately thought, I don't know why, but maybe I did. I thought about the X Games. How many of you have watched the X Games before? You know what I'm talking about? It's like the extreme sports of things, like where they do flips with motorcycles, you know, and all those things. Uh, the BMX guys, the, the skaters going, all of the tricks and flips on the rails and all the things. Have you, have, have, am, am I not the only one? Okay, there are several of you. So I was sitting there thinking about, man, there's some good consequences that happen there, and there's some bad consequences that happen there. Like for some of those guys who are doing these double back flips with a motorcycle going 60 miles an hour and like one of the consequences could be death, right? Um, Like they're doing things with a motorcycle or a BMX bike that none of us would even think about doing. Double back twisting, flipping, handlebar grab thing, you know, that kind of thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like it is wild, the things that they do. And all it takes is one mistake. One trick not to go so well, and it is no good, like it's, it's you know, no glory at all. Like they, they fall over the place, they have their five seconds of fame for their, <laughs> for their mess up. And the consequence of one little mishap can devastate that whole trick and they lose gold. But there's also the consequence of actually nailing the trick and they actually make it happen and they land it perfectly and the crowd goes nuts and they get the X game gold. And that's what everybody wants, right? All the fame and all the glory, the sponsorships and all the things. And it came down to one decision or no, the right execution of a decision or the not so right execution of a decision. And I think for many of us and the truth here is that some of us have made decisions and choices in our lives on who and what to be connected to. Many of us are understanding and dealing with some of the consequences of not being connected to Jesus. And the ripple effect in your life is a sinful behavior that maybe you're trapped in and you're stuck in. Or maybe you're trying your best, none of us are perfect, but try to remain connected to Jesus. And the ripple effect that you're having on your own life and the people around you is that godliness is starting to spread around you. And so the decisions that we make in our lives matter even the decision of who you hang out with, the decision of what you entertain on your phone, on your screen, even when you're hanging out with your buds and you're just doing your thing, there there are consequences to those decisions that you make. And here's what I know about teenagers. Here's what I know about you because it was true of me is I never thought that the consequences would ever affect me. I could get away with anything. Oh, I can do whatever I want to do because those consequences are not, I don't have to deal with those. I'm I'm like invincible, especially when I was a 15-year-old dude. I thought I was invincible and can do anything and get away with anything and I could keep a secret forever. But the consequences of those decisions, the decisions that I made when I was a young adult have ultimate consequences even as who I am right now as a grown man. And those consequences and those decisions I make do have an effect on all of us. Jesus calls out in verse two of this passage of scripture a big, huge consequence for those who are disconnected to the vine. And I want us to look at it. I told you this is gonna be a very hard conversation to have because the reality is, is that some of us are close to Jesus but are not connected to him. And the consequence of your decision is that you may, I'm not saying all, but you may be a branch who is gathered up and burned. You may be close to Jesus, you may be close to the vine, but you're not attached to the vine. And the consequence of that decision, the ultimate consequence of that decision <laughs> is being on the burn pile, using that analogy. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, stay connected to me, because if you're not connected to me, Here's the consequence of that. So let's look at it. Go to John chapter 15, and we'll just read verse two, just verse two. Well, I'll start with verse one and it kind of sets up. I am the true vine and my Father is a vine dresser. Here it is. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. In this passage of scripture, In this little caveat here, verse two, there are two kinds of disciples that Jesus is talking about. There are two kinds of disciples. The first kind, if it's right there in your notes, the first kind is one that bears fruit. There's evidence of a believer here, a believing disciple, and the evidence of a believing disciple is fruit, right? Okay, let's just track along with me here. If you water a plant, and you're connected to an apple tree, right? You take care of this tree. What comes out? How do you know it's an apple tree? There are apples, right? That's fruit, right? If you, you know, same thing with an orange tree. Like if you take care of an orange tree, how do you know it's an orange tree? Because there are oranges that come off of it. There's evidence of an orange tree. There's evidence of an apple tree. And using this analogy, there's fruit, And how do I know that you and I are connected to the vine? How do I know that you and me are connected to Jesus? It's because there is fruit coming out of our life. And so he talks about this is the the evidence of a true disciple, that there's fruit hanging on the vine. There's fruit that's hanging off of us that tells us that we're connected to something and someone. And that person is feeding us and is uh, nourishing in us and he is flowing through us. And the fruit that comes out of that connection is evidence to all. That is a very key point here. The evidence of being a disciple. I'm going to dive into this a whole lot next week. I'm just going to skim over it. Um, and the other part of uh, bearing fruit is not only that there's evidence of bearing fruit, but he also talks about just in this one little passage about pruning. And so many times we think of pruning as a bad thing but to a vine dresser, pruning is a good thing because those branches that he does prune back, what happens ultimately is they produce more fruit. And so as Jesus is using this analogy, he's talking about all of those disciples that are bearing fruit. And hey, those that are bearing fruit, way to go. Good job, but guess what? I'm gonna prune you a little bit so that you can grow more fruit. And he takes on, That role of nurturing us and growing us and that growth is not always pleasant. Pruning is not always pleasant. Here's the other thing you gotta know about pruning. Pruning is not always bad. Nor is pruning, especially if you are a believer in Christ, if Jesus is pruning you, it doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. Let that sink in for a little bit. Just because you're going through the pruning process as a believer doesn't mean you've done anything wrong and that God doesn't like you or God doesn't love you. It is quite the opposite is that he's doing something in your heart and your life. He's pruning you. He's pruning the sin out of your life such that you will bear more fruit, that more comes out of you of what he is feeding you. That is a deep truth right there. And if you could get that in your life for the rest of your life, I'm telling you, you'd be bearing much fruit. But here's the thing. I want us to talk about the promises of those who bear fruit. One, here's the very first promise, is eternal life. Yes, the eternal life that Jesus promises those who bear fruit, yes, that's, that looks like heaven. Right, if you remain connected to Jesus, salvation is yours. That at the moment of your death, that you will step into eternity and be in relationship with God. That is eternal life. But that word eternal is not just eternal in the end. Eternal is meaning here on earth as well. Is that one of the greatest benefits that we have in being connected to Jesus is that he's walking with us every step of the way. He's not going to leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise that Jesus makes. He is right there with you. And as you journey through life and as you go through all of these experiences, knowing full well that all of that is in the fullness of what he would have for you and that you kept on walking and journeying with him and that you are bearing fruit and that eternal life. He talks about, John 10 talks about that. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it, what? To the full, abundant, overflowing. You know how that happens? Pruning. Pruning. And a really good source of life. John 17 3 says this. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is in the understanding and the connection with Jesus. John 3.16, you guys know this one, right? John 3.16? For God so what? Loved the wo- world that what? He gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall what? But have what? The connection with Jesus matters. Your connection with Jesus matters. One of the benefits, one of the perks, if you want to use it that way, is that there is eternal life for those who are connected to Jesus. The other incredible benefit or the promise that we know of those who bear fruit is fruitfulness. And I'm literally just going to glance over this because next week I'm going to unpack all of it. But here's the truth, that if you are connected to Jesus, the evidence of that connection is fruitfulness. And what God wants to do in you is to make you fruitful. He's not going to bear in you. He's not going to ridicule you. He's not going to judge you, all of those things. If anything, as you are connected to him, He is flowing through you, bearing fruit, right? And that fruit that comes out of you, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. But there's a lot more than just Galatians, fruits of the spirit. And we're going to unpack that a lot next week. I hope you come next week. And so you have two promises that bear fruit, eternal life and fruitfulness. And so that's one type of disciple, one that bears fruit. The second type of disciple is probably we're going to camp out for the rest of the time. I've done all of that as the intro to get to this point number two. Point number two is that one, there are two types of disciples, one that bears fruit and one that burns up. And many of you in this room right now are saying, no way. God could never do that. Why would he do that? Why would a loving God send anyone to hell? Some of you are maybe wrestling with that question right now. And I hope you wrestle with it. I hope it's a good wrestle. I'm going to unpack just a little bit of it. But here's the truth. Is that verse 6 kind of illustrates a little bit more of what verse 2 says. If you have your Bible there, look. Down in verse 6. Because he unpacks it just a little bit more about that branch that's laying on the ground. He says, if anyone does not abide in me. Okay, remember what abide." connect stay remain if anyone is not remaining in me he is thrown away as the branch and dries up and then they gather them and they cast them into the fire and they are burned guys there's no way to get around the application or the interpretation of that verse here's the truth if you're not connected to Jesus you are a branch that is disconnected laying on the ground drying up and the vine dresser comes through and picks up the vineyard. When have you ever seen a disorganized or unclean vineyard? Go anywhere, go to any vineyard you want. There are never any dry branches laying around on the ground. Never. Because that vine dresser comes through and he piles up all of those dead branches. He cleans his vineyard, he piles them up, and he lights them up. And the reality is, and if you guys know this as much as I know this, especially if you've been around the Bible for any length of time, hell is described as a fiery place. Jesus is not mincing words here. He's using this illustration very powerfully. And the reality is is that if you're not connected to Jesus, you are literally going to be spending an eternity in hell. And here are two promises of those who do not bear fruit. For those who are tossed away, here's the first promise, eternal death, eternal death. He uses the word separated. He uses the word burned up. He uses all of these words to describe that connection or that lack of connection for anyone who does not know Jesus Christ. Verse six illustrates that. Here's the second one, and I think it's probably probably the worst out of all of these. Eternal death feels pretty bad, right? Here's the second one, is separation. Here's the reality of those who are not connected to Jesus, is that one day you will be eternally separated from him. Hell is a very lonely place, and it's lonely. You may see other people there, but it's a lonely place because it's the absence of Almighty God the absence of Almighty God. There's no longer the divine and the holy presence of God. You know, here's the thing. We were all created for a relationship from the very beginning of time, from Genesis 1. We were created for a relationship with him and created a relationship with each other. And the sad reality of hell is that you will be separated from the one thing that will give you life. And it is not just in this passage of scripture, but in so many, especially in Revelation, where there is a great separation, a great divide that will happen. Jesus even talks about the sheep and the goats in several different parables that he uses, how this reality is at the end of days, there is a great separation. And for those that do not know Jesus and who are disconnected from him, will spend an eternity in hell. I don't like talking about this. And you know what? I'll tell you why I don't like talking about it. Because I don't want anybody to go there. I I can't imagine any of my friends spending eternity in hell. I think that's why I'm so passionate about hanging out with my friends and sharing the gospel as much as I possibly can. I think that's why I'm so passionate about high school students hearing the gospel and responding to the gospel so that they will not spend an eternity in hell. Does it bother you just as much as it bothers me? I know for a fact that I'm going to be spending eternity in heaven, and I want as many people to come with me. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> I do. And the last thing is I, that I want is to not see you there. Or not to see my loved ones there. Because they made a conscious choice. And the consequences of that choice was an eternal death, a separation. I want, I want them to love Jesus just as much as I do and to have a life and a peace of knowing Jesus and having that connection with Him, be connected to the branch. Who I gotta finish quick. So here's the takeaway. Here's the takeaway. You ready? Two things. One, it's a fight to remain. Amen. Amen. This connection we have with Jesus to bear fruit, it's a fight, y'all. It's not going to come easy. If you think it's all going to be roses, it's not. It's not. It will require you saying no to ungodliness. If you are connected to Jesus, it will require of you to say no and to reject the sin that's around you, to stand in opposition to it, To willingly say, I will not have anything to do with ungodliness. It's not what Christ would want for me. I need to have boundaries in my life, healthy boundaries that help me to resist. That means I need to put filters on my phone. That means I need to charge my phone in the living room or the kitchen, not in my bedroom. I need to do healthy boundaries in order to say no to ungodliness. I need to unfollow some friends who are toxic. Yes, I did say that. You need to have healthy boundaries in your life. Such that you can be connected to the true vine. Not a false vine, but a true vine. It's a fight, y'all. And the Apostle Paul reminds us to put on the armor of God in Ephesians 6, to flee from sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians 6, to abstain from every form of evil, 1 Thessalonians 5. And all of these action words, every one of these action words, the Apostle Paul—it's a—it's a a requirement of action on our part, y'all. If you think that I just got—you know—I call it um, fire insurance, right? I I got my get out of jail free or get out of hell free card with Jesus. I know Jesus. I get—you know—that kind. That's not true life. That the abundant life that Jesus promises, y'all. That am I preaching yet? I mean, here we go here's the reality of life. It comes down to this. And John 15, it's crazy to think. 1 Timothy 6.12 says this, and this is a fight for the rest of our days, y'all. This is not just for tomorrow. This is for the remainder of our life. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and you were made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That means salvation, y'all. If you have truly accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is, you are entering to the fight and knowing that you are not by fighting this battle alone. Look around the room, y'all. You are not fighting this battle alone. There's a community of believers who are in the same fight that you are. It is healthy to be in this place. Titus 2, 11 through 13 says this, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men instructing us, this is, here it is, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and appearing for the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Y'all, did you see the fight that's right there? Paul knew it, put it all throughout his letters. Fight, 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 work, do it. It's worth it. The end, the blessed hope, you can do it. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. Go all the way through the tape. That's what he's imploring us to do. And it's a fight for us to stay. I'm going to ask you a really, and this fight is not, not with just flesh and blood and the people around you y'all. This fight goes so much deeper. And you guys know this, it's not on the screen, but Ephesians six twelve says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces, the wickedness, and the heavenly places. Our fight is against the devil. He is the one that's out to steal, kill, and destroy. It's not God that's doing that for sure. And if you're sensing ungodliness in your life, if you're, unsensing, you're sensing some... Uh, deception or some lying going on in your heart in your life that you would recognize that as the work of the evil one no way get thee behind me satan not today take away that's take oh here's a probing question i wrote this down right before i got up here it says what are you saying yes to that's ungodly i want you to write that down in your notes at the very bottom you know the cool line says notes and quotes Here's what I want you to honest question when you go home tonight. What are you saying yes to that is ungodly? Look around in your life. Look around in your life. What are you saying yes to that's ungodly? And how can you deal with it? How can you kick it to the curb? How can you say, "Uh uh-uh, not today, Satan? You can't have me in this area of my life. The last application, not only do we fight the fight to remain, but I think this is the biggest application probably of this passage is that the gospel matters to an unconnected branch. The gospel matters to an unconnected branch. And the gospel is not just for salvation. The gospel is for all of those who may be walking in an ungodly life and know that the gospel can restore you. If you're a believer in Christ here today and you have tripped and fallen and maybe surrendered to the the temptation of sin in your life, that the gospel is real for you just as much as it is for those that do not know Jesus Christ. That the gospel is this, is that God loves you. That there's this, he deals with your sin. and If you would simply confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you would lay those confessions out to him that he is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, y'all. Come on. That is the gospel for you. The gospel matters to an unconnected branch, the branch that's laying on the ground that you know, you know in your heart and your life, those, there's some connected branches in this room that need to start talking to the unconnected branches. As you're sitting on the vine, that you're not just looking down at the people around you because the gospel matters. I'm preaching right now, y'all hold on. The gospel matters to the people that are laying on the ground disconnected. And what would be said of you that you would be silent about that? That you would say, no way, I'm never going to say a word about the gospel. Na, 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 nah. you're going to hell. How in the world will we ever do something like that? How in the world would a loving Christian who knows that the gospel is for those people just as much as for you, that you would ignore them, that you would push them off to the side and say, you know what? You don't need it. How dare you? I'm preaching, y'all. Come on. How dare us that we would look down our noses at ungodly people and not reach out with the gospel for them? How will they know? How will they know the gospel? How will they know the benefit of being connected with Jesus unless a connected branch starts talking? Paul talks about this in Romans woo, Romans 10. Tell us. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is the same for all, abounding in riches and for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. How then will they call on him and whom they have not believed in? How will they believe in him who have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher talking, talking? This right here. You gotta use this. How will they preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet that bring the good news to Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, y'all. The gospel matters to the unconnected branch. Here's the invitation. You ready? When I think about this passage and I think about this story, and I think about what Jesus is telling his disciples. I can't help but think about Judas. Where's Judas at this time? He's not in the room. He's on his way to betrayal. He's already written him off. Here's the truth about Judas. And some of us, this is probably new to you. Yes, Jesus was one of the 12, but he was never connected to Jesus. Judas was very hypocritical. Oh, he had his role as the money guy. He was the one that was the treasurer for the disciples. But his heart and his life was never connected to Jesus. If you do some study on it, Jesus knew it the whole time. Go read John 6. Jesus knew it the entire time that Judas was never connected to him. And Judas was a hypocrite. He was so close to Jesus but never believed him. And here's the reality of Jesus' story, Judas's story. You read it in Matthew 27, I think that's where it is. He ended up hanging himself. And the blood that spilled out on the field, they named it the field of blood. And it's still named that today. And the reality is that Judas is spending an eternity in hell. He was so close to Jesus, but never connected to him. And the reality is, is he was one of those disconnected branches that was piled up and burned up. Can I share the gospel with you? Because I don't want you to be hypocritical with Jesus. I love you a lot. I've given my life, my life to serving you and to share the gospel with you as honestly and as practically as I possibly can. But many of us in this room are not connected to Jesus. You're not. You're like a Judas. You're giving him lip service, you're giving him attention, but you're not giving him your life. Some of you are allowing your feet to be close to Jesus, like Judas, but you're never giving him your heart. You're not giving him your life you know what? God loves you anyway. And here, you know what? Jesus knew it the whole time. And guess what? He even several times tried to reach out to Judas and tried to say, hey, come on, come on. But Judas wasn't having it. And the ultimate end is that he never connected himself to Jesus. So here's the gospel, y'all. You ready? God loves you a lot. And he loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to pay the penalty for your sin so that you would have eternal life. And that eternal life is not just at the end of your days, but the eternal life and the abundant life that's given to you is right now. He loved you so much. And my response to that love is simply to believe, And it's a belief by faith. It's a belief by faith. It's a confession of your mouth and a belief in your heart, Romans 10. That if you would believe with your whole heart that he died on the cross for you, And that three days later, he rose again, conquering that sin and that death for you on your behalf. That you would simply do that, that you would believe by faith who he was and what he did for you. And then the next step is that after you come to that spot where you believe by faith, that you would simply open up your heart in your life and you would receive him into your life. That you would simply say yes to Jesus. Not saying no, saying Yes. And saying, yes, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to forgive me of my sin because I'm not in a good place with you. Would you come into my life, forgive me of my sin because I want to have eternal life with you and I need peace for today. And so God, would you come into my life and forgive me? Would you come into my life and restore me? Would you wipe away my sin? And here's what the Bible is true. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved.